So I'd like to kind of start with the most recent. So obviously we have the DOJ now going and talking to PAC4. They want to review the licenses. What are you expecting the outcome of that review to be? Well, Kelsey, that's something new that we are seeing with BOGOs. I'm sure you're, you're well aware of what BOGOs are and the operations, but we're seeing a, a trend right now. And this is also based from our talks with some government agencies and also the news reports from DOJ that the BOGOs are morphing from purely gaming. Some of them are going into crypto scam or other scamming activities. Uh, and this is a uh, cause of concern because they're morphing into a, a scamming activity. But deeper than that is the human trafficking issues. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, these scamming activities are indeed related to the uh, POGO entities. No? And uh, we're also doing our own cross-checking to see if these entities are the POGO entities or even though the names are not the same, but the addresses are the same. Apparently, they can change names easily, but the establishment is the same. So we're also doing our own validation internally and also with uh, the authorities. Uh, you have previously said that POGOs are useless for the country, uh, especially within your the review from the Senate Means and Ways Committee. I think your report, you, you said that the POGOs themselves are useless. I'm assuming you're including both the licensed and the unlicensed operators within that. Why, why would you say that the operators are useless? Uh, the revenues that we are deriving from POGOs based on the 2022 report is less than a percent of our total revenues, it, meaning the contribution to the total tax revenues of the country is less than 1%. In terms of economic contribution, it's also less than 1%. So in other words, if Pogo disappears from our shores, we will not feel it. But we feel the crime that is happening. For example, the Chinese embassy sent a letter to the National Bureau of Investigation as late as February of this year, asking for help because uh, some Chinese individuals are held against their will in Pogo facilities. We also got reports from the National Bureau of Investigation that just this year alone, January, March, uh, January, February, March, there were human trafficking reports that were reported to the National Bureau of Investigation. So my point there being is we're not getting the revenues that were promised to the Philippines, but yet we're getting the crimes and we're feeling the crimes that are being perpetuated here in the Philippines. And the adverse impact because of those crimes happening in the Philippines is our reputational damage. Uh, the reputational damage that's being uh, created by this crime deters investments from coming in, deters tourists from coming in. So it's, it's not contributing to the Philippines. So my point there, it's useless because even though they disappear from our shores, we won't, we won't feel it but we feel the crime that is happening uh, because of their presence. Now, President Marcos himself has said that he is in favor of shutting down POGOs if that's deemed to be the best option. I know you've spoken with him before. Have you heard any updates from the president regarding his viewpoint on shutting down POGOs? I submitted my report to Malacanang, to the palace, because the executive secretary in one of the hearings here mentioned that they want to see the report. They are also doing their own due diligence, but they also want to uh, consult the Senate and cross 
check the facts in our investigation. So we I submitted that about uh, two weeks ago. So I think they're in the process now of evaluating what is the best for the country. Now, there was also a, a mention of maybe giving them three months to completely close up operations, shut down everything, eject all the foreign nationals. Uh, do you think that that's an accurate timeline if there is the decision to completely cancel all POGO licenses? Um, that three months was based on our own analysis on winding down a firm in the Philippines. It, it really, there, there are certain documentary requirements to wind down any businesses, any business in the Philippines. So our estimate is about three months. That's why we, we, we suggested that three months is the most appropriate, for example, to wind down your business permits, to cancel all the working permits of the employees. So third, three months is just the right time. But the most important here is let's put an end to POGOs, whether it's three months or longer or immediate. Let's, re let's really put an end to POGOs because it's destroying the image of the country. Now, speaking of the report that you submitted to Malacanang, did you find any positive aspects to POGOs? Well, there were promises. In fact, uh, if you look at the timeline and if you look at the debates of the POGO law, that's RA11590, basically the reason why we came up with a law taxing POGO is because the industry promised the Philippines and the Department of Finance were made to understand that the POGO revenues can go as high as 40 billion, 50 billion pesos a year. But that didn't happen. I mean, last year, the collection from POGO is about 3 to 4 billion. So that's far cry from the estimated. But the crime being linked to POGO from 2019, 2020, 2021, even last year, even this year, are constant. Now, PACCOR has hit back on some of the statements that were made about POGOs and the negative contributions that they've had. They've pledged to clean up the industry and ensure that only regulated operators are working. Do you think that PACCOR could be successful in trying to eliminate all of the negative aspects of POGOs while still letting them be licensed in the country? Definitely not, Kelsey. There's a, there's a fundamental flaw in the structure of POGO. It's a regulator and an operator in one. On one hand, they're making so much money from POGOs. On the other hand, they're regulating POGOs, meaning forcing POGOs to follow the law. And if they force POGOs to follow the law and regulation, it will eventually cut a lot of the revenue stream. So you want one hand, you want more revenue, the other one, you're, you're regulating it. So in my view, if this fundamental flaw is present, as long as it's there, it's not going to be effective. And uh, we've seen it since 2017. PAGCOR's statement is always going to clean up, cooperate with, with the authorities, coordinate with, uh, with the enforcers, but it's not happening because of that fundamental flaw. Now, there have been large changes to the uh, the composition of PACCOR. And also, Chairman Tenko did say that he was looking forward to uh, divesting the assets of PACCOR, so Casino Filipino uh, in particular. I understand you're of the contrary viewpoint. You would like to make PACCOR an operator only and set up a new regulatory body. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. I think that the fundamental structure that we're thinking is to separate the regulatory body and the operating body. The operating body can be PAGCOR and then set up, let's say, a gaming regulatory body. Uh, I think that is a faster setup. 
And then eventually the operating body can be sold off, whether privatized, issued to the stock market, but that can be monetized. That can be eventually uh, be a source of revenue. But what's important here is the regulatory body because of course doing so many things, no? it's regulating land-based casinos, it's regulating online casinos, it's regulating uh, slot machines. So it's regulating so many things. So the new entity has to focus just on regulation, making sure that regulation and laws are followed. But so that would involve, I'm assuming, a complete rehaul. So a new structure. Would you would you see any of the individuals such as Chairman Tenko that are currently in PACCOR be shifting over to that new regulatory body? Or would you start from scratch? Actually, Kelsey, that's a very that's an excellent question. Very good question because every new administration, and, and you can look at the records through the internet, every new administration, their campaign promise and their promise to the people is always to, to privatize PAGCOR, to sell off PAGCOR. But once they're there and they enjoy the perks of PAGCOR, they forget about these things. I've heard the privatization um, model and promise so many times. But I think what happened here because of POGOs, it became so glaring that the conflict of interest is not working and it's causing lives in our country you know? because uh, the conflict of interest as a regulator, PACOR should be the one really pushing to shut down airing POGOs, to investigate airing POGOs, but they're not doing that. Of course, they say they're coordinating it, but it's, there's, there's no push. You know? That's why we're seeing all of these criminal activities flourishing in our country. What about in terms of the regulatory body? You mentioned that PACOR has so many different things it does. I mean, it has to regulate POGOs, PIGOs, including sports betting, online casino. It has the land-based casinos itself. It has its own casinos. Do you think that the new regulatory body should have all of the same functions? Should they be regulating land-based and online? Or should there be a split between that? Well, the model that we are... Um looking at is the model in the States. Uh, well, personally, you know, the, the model that I'm, I'm looking at is, so there's one regulator that regulates all games of chance, uh, whatever that can, whatever that is. Um, and then you have the private sector going into operations. And all government does is to regulate that private sector. Uh, whether the regulation comes in the form of gaming tax or um, other forms, government just focuses on regulation, making sure that they follow the rules. For example, I'll give you a very basic example, Kelsley, like gambling addiction. That's a real problem also. It might be not as highlighted in the Philippines, but PAGCOR has, because it's doing both things, it doesn't promote to stop gambling addiction because on the other hand, they're making money on gambling addiction, but on the other hand, they know it's morally, it's not good for the country. So. That's another glaring conflict of interest that's not working to the best interest of society. It's interesting you mentioned that because during the pandemic, there was the commencement of PIGOs. So when you're speaking about gambling addiction, I'm assuming you're, you're speaking mostly about local Filipinos, right? And you're trying to avoid gambling addiction within the country. Uh, so what is your viewpoint on PIGOs? Should they also be allowed? It has to be regulated. It has to be regulated. Um, from what I understand from PIGOS, it's allowed to get local bets. And I think these are 
sports uh, oriented um, online bets if i'm not mistaken um, but it has to be regulated number one it cannot be they cannot accept bets from minors second we have to make sure that there, there's certain limit limit on bets all as well it can be it cannot be unabated bets if you remember the isabo you know if you're familiar with that uh, Kelsey, the isabo was a was a disaster it was in fact some of the politicians said it's it was a new drug you know a new shabu because everyone was addicted as young as six years old were betting so it should not repeat that mistake because Sabong created a lot of societal problems broken families policemen getting indebted um that should not happen anymore so in other words we have to regulate that uh, form of gaming now, I understand that your, your family does have some ties to the gaming industry, but I wanted to ask, are there positive aspects to gaming overall? We've seen the great success of Entertainment City. We've seen the growth of Clark. We've seen what this can do in terms of the creation of jobs and training opportunities. So is there a part of the gaming industry which needs to remain in the Philippines, basically land-based? And should the Philippines be looking to eliminate some of the other online options? Well, my, my view on gaming is uh, there, are so, there are a lot of successful models that we can study and emulate. Like for example, Macau, Las Vegas, even Singapore. They started attracting gaming companies to come in. And Singapore is a much more conservative when it comes to governance. So my, my, my view on gaming is we have to regulate it. Meaning we have to make sure that those who are below 18 cannot go and bet. Uh, we have to make sure that there's no gambling addiction. We have to make sure that access is also very limited. And my view is that gaming should be a contributor to our economy, meaning they should also have hard investments coming into the country. For example, land-based, like for example, here in, in the Philippines, we have a lot here in the in the gaming uh, area those brought in investments those brought in capital goods and at the same time it created jobs no? thousands of jobs so the gaming entity should contribute to the economy as well as to employment that's my view that's why with pogo it's the other way around if you look at the employment figures of pogo during the hype I mean, in 2019 they employed 120,000 employees of which 100,000 are foreigners and 20,000 are local. So almost 80% are foreigners. So it's not creating the employment uh, necessary for the country. And then we looked at all the balance sheet of the POGOs, all 120 plus service providers, 60 plus uh, licenses. We looked at the balance sheet that they declared to the SECs. And we don't see any fixed investment or any capital expenditures that they brought into the Philippines. A lot of them are leasing. So meaning they find an empty land and they just lease. So my, my point of the matter there is there's a huge difference between the land-based casinos, online casinos, in particular POGOs, because the land-based brings hard investments. But we have to regulate it as well. It cannot be just an open season for land-based casinos because we have to also understand that there are consequences to gaming. Looking at the regulator itself, there have been the changes in terms of its structure. We do have Chairman Tenko has come in recently, comes more from a business background. How would you evaluate the performance of PAGCOR so far? 
But I'm hoping that Chairman Tenko will take more of a practical view. And I hope he will not be lured by the perks of power. There's a lot of perks in power being the chairman and president. And I've seen that in the past. No? So I hope he pushed for reforms. And one of which will be removing that conflict of interest. I think we can start from there. Let the private sector do the gaming and the casino operations. That's what they do best. Let the government regulate because that's what government does best. So I think that's a good start to reform the whole gaming industry in the Philippines. And that model is nothing new. No? We've seen that in the U.S. We've seen that in, in other jurisdictions. And I, I, my personal view on that, that's a much more clear-cut structure. And that will eliminate a lot of the problems on the ground. Looking at this year, do you expect to continue to see more of these problems with POGOs, let's say, in the next month, in the next two months before some action can be taken? Yeah, that, that's unfortunately, yes, uh, Kelsey. As long as POGOs are around, we'll see a lot of these criminal activities in our country, especially human trafficking. If you look at the statistics, the top two crimes connected to POGOs are human trafficking and illegal detention. And unfortunately, the human trafficking now is expanding to other countries. Like the latest news report I saw, a third of them come from Indonesia, a third of them come from Cambodia and other countries. So, so it's expanding to other, other um, uh, developing nations. And the sad part is it's destroying the country's reputation. If we'll be a hub for human trafficking, that means we're also a hub for criminal syndicates operating here. I mean, normal businessmen cannot do human trafficking. Only criminal syndicates can do that. And that's that's going to destroy our country. You know? And um, that's why I'm against this because of the peace and order situation. We want a peaceful country. We want a country that's known for a peaceful society. But uh, this is not going to happen while Pogos are here. And there's also that angle of these criminal syndicates corrupting enforcers. They might be corrupting the Bureau of Immigration. They might be corrupting the National uh, Philippine National Police. And that's scary. That's scary for us locals here because where will we go to if these things happen? So while it's still controllable and while we can still nip it at the bud, Let's already do the right thing because it's not contributing economically. I mean, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer, Kelsey. It's not, if it's not doing you any good and you're just seeing all the vices and the crime, why allow it to, to stay in the Philippines? We, have, we, can, we can lure our other businesses here in the Philippines that are not connected to crime. Speaking of trying to eliminate any possible problems for the country, looking at what happened in Macau, recently. They basically eliminated junkets because they were exactly worried about criminal activity. Some of it actually was involving side betting happening in the Philippines. So would you be a proponent of keeping junkets or would you do you think that there's any problem with junket activity in the Philippines right now? Well, just to be fair, Kelsey, I've not heard of any issues with junkets. Uh, just to be just to be fair. Um, I cannot answer that with certainty because I haven't really done uh, deeper research on that. But from what I hear, I don't hear of anything. But again, if you if China bans it, then there's something wrong, and it has to be a signal to us, and we have to again look at this very carefully. There's another interesting angle that we should also look at, and from based on our research, the Philippines is the only country hosting pogos. 
partly Cambodia banned it already because of criminal activities. So we're the only country in the world that allows POGOs to operate in their own jurisdiction. At the same time, if you look at all the tycoons and the conglomerates in the Philippines, none of them are involved in POGOs. So my point of matter there is this is as lucrative and as profitable as what they say, then all of these conglomerates, the Ayalas, the Kongways, should be in the business of POGOs, but none of them are in that. In, in my opinion, it goes to show that this business is really not for the long haul and not for a peaceful country. And that's why as long as it's here, we'll see a lot of problems, a lot of issues, especially on crime. When would you hope to see all of the POGOs closed? How soon? Well, it's going to be an ongoing battle, admittedly. The POGOs are also spending a lot of money, Kelsey, to clean up their image. Online, offline media, uh, they're also big advertisers. So they're spending a lot of money to clean up their image. And they're also spending a lot of money to destroy people who are against POGOs. I receive my fair share of fake news and um, attacks in social media. And that's part of the job. But from what we analyze is POGOS is also spending a lot of money to clean up his image across the board. And that's why it's an ongoing battle. And I will keep myself very active in this issue and continue the battle until they leave the country, until the country shuts down every single POGO here in our country.